You are listening to a Hippily Horror Stories Patreon bonus preview. If you like what you're hearing, stick around to the end to find out how you can get more. Hey guys, welcome to episode 1200. At uno, dos, just don't. Zero, zero. That's not how that works. Oh. You don't just spout out the... That's like if if it said somebody's name and you just said the letter for each one of their names. That's not how that works. Oh, I don't know. But yay for 1200. Okay. I got something special. What is it? A lip smack. Oh, man. (laughs) Sorry, y'all. Sorry, y'all. Sorry, (laughs) y'all. Anyways, it's not really special, but I thought it was a cool story. These are stories that were in the news that are crazy kind of just kind of creepy stories. Okay. So, the first one is from up in Pennsylvania. It says when the, I think that's Brett Zuis family decided to insulate their home in Auburn, Pennsylvania in 2015, they discovered that it had already been insulated. By body? With scores of dead animal carcasses. <gasps> Oh. This was according to Fox. The dead animals were wrapped in newspapers from the 1930s and the 40s and were among among half-used spices and other items. After removing the items, they sent hundreds of artifacts and carcasses to the expert in Cutstown. The expert attributed the rotting animals in their walls to powwow or Dutch magic a ritual originating in the culture of the Pennsylvania Dutch to treat ailments and gain physical and spiritual protection. The Pennsylvania Dutch were a group of German-speaking settlers to Pennsylvania in the 1600s and 1700s and were often of Lutheran, Mennonite, or Amish faiths. You know, and I always thought this, you hear the Pennsylvania Dutch and they weren't Dutch, they were German. Oh. Yeah, but people called them Pennsylvania Dutch. I don't know. I didn't know that. The Washington Post actually wrote about that type of magic. Many of the spells deal with the care of livestock, finding water, or the treatment of minor ailments, reflecting the conditions and concerns of early American settlers. That were the main concerns, obviously, was mm-hmm. water and stuff like that. But powwow also has within it a tradition of darker spells and even of such things as conjuring demons. One notable ritual in the tradition is this hex, to create loyalty in a dog. To attach a dog to a person, provided that nothing else was used before to affect it, try to draw some of your blood and let the dog eat it along with his food, and he will stay with you. Hmm. It's, would you do that, do you think? No, I mean, I would think if you just treat a dog nice, you don't have to worry about loyalty. The mold found on the rotting carcasses in the Bretzua's home was has caused illness among the family members, and they say that the odor hasn't gone away. Oh, how horrible. <laughs> oh. I wouldn't think from the 30s and the 40s is when that stuff was wrapped up in a newspaper, so assuming it was then, I would think after... Well, the, the smell would go away. 80-some years. Yes. But who knows? Yeah. Let's do another one. This is called Florida Devil Worshipping. Friends noticed that Danielle Harkins, a 35-year-old school teacher near St. Petersburg, Florida, started acting strangely in June of 2012. She developed an interest in demonic rituals. Soon after, she was arrested for abuse of seven of her former students, as the Tampa Bay Times reported. 
Daniel Harkins told the kids that they needed to rid their bodies of demons as the group gathered before dusk Saturday around a small fire near the St. Petersburg Pier. They should cut their skin to let the evil spirits out. Police said that she had told the children. Then they needed to burn the wounds to ensure that those spirits would not return. I mean, that all makes sense. (laughs) (laughs) When Harkins held a lighter to one teen's hand, wind blew out the the flame, police said. I thought he was going to say, ow, that hurt. That prompted her to douse his hand in perfume before setting it on fire. The boy suffered second-degree burns, police said. Wow. Another teen was cut on the neck with a broken bottle, police said. Harkins used a flame to heat a small key, which she then used to cauterize the wound. The police were notified because a friend of one of the students who participated in the ritual raised alarms. However, none of the students themselves told their parents about the event or would comment following the arrest of Harkins for aggravated battery and child abuse. How did the parents not find out about that? If she was arrested. Well, I guess they did after the fact, but they didn't tell anything. Investigators said that they've spoken to Harkins, but she didn't spell out what the type of religion would require such drastic measures. She hasn't informed us exactly of what she was trying to accomplish, puts of the uh, St. Petersburg Police Department said. Wow. Well, I mean, at least she tried to stop the bleeding after the fact, I guess. That's one positive. (laughs) She obviously had done her research on uh, WebMD. Yeah. Oh, definitely. You know. (laughs) My goodness. What is wrong with people? I mean, I don't know. And I guess they're kids, but I'd be like, uh, hello, no, get away from me with your fire. I heard, I heard something today. We were talking about the dog and the blood. Mm-hmm. I heard something today that the saying salty dog. Did you hear that? No. The salt, salty dog actually came from a reference was back in the day. When salt was hard to come by, it wasn't mm-hmm. something that was plentiful. That you know, this was the days where men would have plenty of hunt, hunting dogs and stuff. Mm-hmm. And they, if you rub salt on the dog's body, it would keep ticks from getting on them. Oh, so you would sometimes take your favorite hunting dog and rub salt on it, and that thus became your salty dog. And that meant that was your your favorite, your best, your bestie. So I know there's a song. Honey, let me be a salty dog. I know. That's, let me be your salty dog and I won't be that's your... That's from Andy right? Griffith. Honey, let me be Char- your salty dog. Charlene sang that. Oh, Charlene. Rest in peace, today. Charlene. Anyways, I thought it kind of fit in talking about favorite dog licking your wounds and stuff. Yeah, yeah. It's kind of the same as like with peanut butter, I guess, except <laughs> not blood. Anyways, whatever whatever makes the dog your favorite. So why don't we try that on Ninja? Put some salt on Ninja so you don't get no ticks on him. He's never had a tick that I've known of, so I think we're in pretty good shape. Oh, that's true. You know, that's, that's kind of weird. He really hasn't, has he? He hasn't been like in a lot of woods or stuff, though. Well, that's true. They say ticks are really bad this year. Really bad. Hmm. Extra huh? bad. I know. Hey, I was par- I had a facial tick Listen, earlier. listen. What? Partick. You'll leave bad. See what I've done there? Yeah. See what I've done there? Yeah. Yeah. Uh-huh. Okay. Yeah. All right, guys. We love you. We'll talk to you later. We'll <laughs> save you from some of that humor. <laughs> I thought that was funny. Hey, guys. Welcome to episode 1201 of Hillbilly Shorts. Hello, guys. Well, Tracy, we did some stories yesterday that were ripped from the headlines that were creepy. It's like I, that, that's what they do when they're on the they news. Rip ripped them? from the headlines. 
anyway, so I had a couple more of these that I wanted to do. Some of them were ones like the Lisa Lamb story and stuff that everybody already knows. So mm-hmm. uh, I didn't want to cover that. This one is called a Utah murder suicide. In September of 2014, a Utah teen returned home to find his parents and three siblings dead. In a notebook, there was a to-do list that had been scribbled on the pages. The list looked as if the parents were ready to go on vacation. Items such as feed the pets and find someone to watch after the house were written. The Salt Lake Tribune reported this story. It appeared to be a murder-suicide, but there was no suicide note. No prior indication that they would do this, no explanation. Police would not figure out why the two parents would kill themselves and three of their four children. For a year, no one knew exactly what happened to the family or what would drive the parents to do something so unthinkable. In January, police released a more chilling detail on the case. According to the accounts from the family members and an investigation by police, the parents were driven by a belief that the apocalypse was coming and an obsession with a convicted killer. So they did do it. Yes. This is what the Washington Post reported. Friends and family told police that the parents were worried about the evil in the world and wanted to escape a pending apocalypse. But most assumed that they just wanted to move somewhere off the grid. Investigators also found letters written by Christy Strack to one of the state's most infamous convicted killers, Dan Lafferty, who was convicted of the 1984 stabbing of his sister-in-law and her one-year-old daughter. Now, according to trial testimony, he killed the victims at the order of his brother, Ron Lafferty, who claimed to have had a revelation from God. The story became a book called Under the Banner of Heaven. Police said that Christy Strack became friends with Dan Lafferty, and she and her husband even visited him in prison. Get out of here. So, there's so many questions that I have there. First of all, so this Lafferty guy, he he says that his brother-in-law, or whoever, had a, had a revelation from God, and it wanted him to kill... So it was his brother. His brother had a, a supposed revelation of God and wanted him to kill his wife and kid. his wife and daughter. But these people supposedly had a similar situation where they were worried about the evil and, and were doing this. So I'm wondering if they reached out to him because he said that his brother had a revelation and maybe there was a connection, or if there was some other reason why they reached out. I mean, I mean, don't they know that killing your family, your kids is evil. That's evil to me. I mean, I guess in some weird kind of way, if you think you're keeping them from a worse evil by ending their well, life. Well, that's I mean, true. that's still a warped way of looking at it, but I mean. And then why Why didn't they wait till the other kid was home? Why would they yeah, leave that's, him out? And sit one, again, that's another question I've got. Why did he get left out? Yeah. And how does he feel now? Not only did he lose his old family, but he also feels like that they didn't care enough about him but being him? included them. Aww. Yeah, that makes my heart hurt. Shoot. What a sad, sad story. I don't know. I don't it's... know either, babe. I just It's just really hard to understand what goes through people's minds. You know, they think they're doing the right thing, you know, in their mind and protecting, I guess. And, and... and again, 
it goes back to the cult thing that we've talked about. You can you can say, okay, somebody's got mental illness and they came up with this thought. But how do you get the other parent to go along with it? Right. How did they both end up on the same wavelength? I mean, I guess if they really love each other, they're willing to do whatever it takes. Or one of them is just really good at convincing the other. Yeah. Because a lot of these cult situations, it's not a love thing. They don't completely love the person that they're following, at least not at the time they're following them. Right, right. You know, they may eventually turn to that way, you know, along the lines. But, you know, it's not initially what caused you to, I mean, somehow the person has captivated you and you just mm-hmm. learn to believe anything. I mean, it really goes back to these catfishing deals that we see on Dr. Phil mm-hmm. to where somebody can string somebody along, get them to send, you know, thousands of dollars Hundreds of thousands, in some cases, on something that's so obviously ridiculous. Like that one lady that claimed she needed a lung transplant and it couldn't work, so they put it in a freezer and they were keeping her in a in an outbuilding behind the hospital. And it's just stupid enough to go along with that because they want to. Yeah, man. You know, it's, I mean, it's they're so sad. desperate. but I know, it's very sad that you feel like you need to be loved so bad that you're willing. I mean, I'm sure in the back of their mind that are no, they're thinking, this is crazy i know this can't be the real thing but you know when you're desperate for love and you feel like you need to be needed just your mind does that to you well here's one more this one's fairly quick so we'll go ahead and do it and this will finish up what we were doing on this subject anyway in 2007 abc news documented a series of cell phone calls to family with terrifyingly specific death threats the unidentified callers knew exactly what the families were doing and what they were wearing. I think I just heard about this the other day. Incredible. The family said the calls come in all hours of the night, threatening to kill their children, their pets, and their grandparents. Voicemails arrive, playing recordings of the private conversations, including one with a local police detective. So these things were being recorded. The caller knows, the family said, what they're wearing and what they're doing, and after months of investigating, police seem powerless to stop them. This went on with the Kukinaw family for months, who reported a caller with a scratchy voice threatening to slit their throats. When the Firecrest Washington Police Department tried to find the culprit, the calls were traced back to the Kukendall's own cell phones, even when they were turned off. Whoa. It got worse. The Kukendall's and two other Firecrest families told ABC News that they believe the callers are using their cell phones to spy on them. They say the hackers know every move they're making, where they are, what they're doing, and what they're wearing. The callers have recorded private conversations the families and the police said, including a meeting with the detective. So this is back in 2007, where there weren't all these apps Mm-mm. to be able to do. They were, they were It was like the place was bugged. No matter where they were, this person knew exactly what was going on and somehow made it look like that the calls were coming from their own cell phones. And in some cases, the cell phone that it came from would be right next to them and turned off. But it somehow would still come from that cell phone. It's a spirit. It's something. That is really bizarre. Whoever it was that, that was doing that was one, cruel, but also a genius, a technical genius to be able to At figure that time, out. At the same time, yeah, that is very scary. I mean, you think about 2007, I mean, cell phones, that's when we met. Cell phones really hadn't been that popular Mm-mm. where everybody had them, but no. a few years at that point. 
Ooh, that gives me chills, man. That's that's unbelievable. So, anyway, thought that was pretty cool. Ugh. All right, guys, we love you. We'll talk to you tomorrow. Bye. Hey, guys, if you like what you just heard, we do six of those small bonus episodes every single week. We also do two full-length bonus episodes every month. We do a listener stories episode and then a story that's just like the ones you would typically hear on the regular feed. If you're interested in supporting us on Patreon, just go to patreon.com and look up Hillbilly Horror Stories or go to hillbillyhorrorstories.com and there's a direct link right there. Thank you guys so much for what you do for us.